Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Cyber. On today's show, we have Vic Batia. Vic is the head of security GRC at Facebook's Novi project. Now, if you aren't familiar with Novi, the name Calibra may ring a bell. This is their digital wallet solution that is really focused on helping Facebook users transfer money internationally really easily, really securely, and very quickly as well. Now, their focus is on sort of democratizing financial services. So we spend a lot of time exploring the solution, discussing Vic's role and how he is helping build up the project and help with some of the foundational security components as well. Um, But we also talk a little bit more strategically in terms of Vic's experience in the industry and uh, how he's noticed that one of the most important things security folks should do before any sort of project or task is think, how is this helping the business? And how is this in alignment with business operations and things of value for the overall business? Um, Specifically, he compares that sort of mindset to things like compliance frameworks and control frameworks that are typically used to prioritize projects and in sorts of security decisions and how those often lack that business context. So really, really good discussion with Vic. Hugely grateful he was able to take the time and join me today. And uh, without any further ado, I'll hand it over to Vic Batia, the head of security GRC at Facebook's Novi Project. Well, the party is off to a good start. Vic, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, um, to kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in the world of cybersecurity? Sure thing. Uh, so again, my name is uh, Vic Patia. Uh, I work for governance, risk, and compliance at Novi, uh, which is a new kind of business unit being set up within Facebook. Uh, again, I'm, I'm here in a personal capacity, but you know, happy to answer some questions around that. Um, I, I kind of kind of fell into InfoSec. So uh, about 20, 22 years ago, when I was doing my master's, uh, I started working for uh, NASA and Lockheed Martin, kind of fell into security uh, from traditional IT, uh, decided that I liked it a lot, uh, moved on to uh, Motorola and other companies, uh, started kind of getting more from the technical side of the house to the business side of things. And it's been a fun ride. So yeah. Cool. So tell me a little bit about that transition maybe from, you know, you, you mentioned within Motorola and sort of the experience from the technical to more to the business side of things. Can you tell me a little bit more about that from a sort of experience standpoint? Sure. So again, you know, people traditionally kind of look at information security as more kind of controls driven or, you know, uh, what needs to kind of happen at a bare minimum from a technology perspective, right? Uh, but what people don't acknowledge are the stuff that kind of, you know, made me kind of go, hmm, is, you know, what are the business drivers behind it, right? So, uh, I mean, if you look, analyze companies and stuff like that, so you had the target breach, you had other breaches happening, but the stock price actually wasn't affected or, you know, actually even went up out of some of these, you know, industry breaches, right? So I felt like there was this disconnect between, you know, how we as security practitioners or kind of understanding these, you know, oh my God moments and how the business leaders were kind of looking at, okay, you know, what does that risk actually mean? What are the true problems that need to be solved from a business kind of risk perspective? 
And I saw there was this kind of misalignment around that stuff. So, so as I kind of got into Motorola, um, again, realize this, please, that at Motorola, everything was outsourced. I mean, even the internal network was outsourced to CSC. We, we used to kind of consider our own internal network as untrusted, right? And, and this is back in the early 2000s where there was this huge competition between Motorola and Nokia. I mean, I've actually seen, you know, uh, uh, people at booths, you know, fight each other at expos just to get a, you know, peek at the latest, you know, Motorola flip phone or whatever like that. So a, a lot of, you know, intellectual property theft, you know, uh, business risk around that stuff uh, globally, right? And you take that and you map to what needs to happen in the infosec space to give a good comfort to the business that, hey, we are, we are directionally correct, right? And, you know, it, it's okay being, you know, as long as we are complete, but not perfect, we are okay, right? And then, you know, taking that view and kind of breaking it out, okay, what do I need to accomplish from a people perspective, you know, a process perspective, a technology perspective is, is something I really kind of enjoy doing. So yeah, that's how yeah. I kind of got into this stuff. Yeah, that's great. And just to dig into that a bit, I mean, how do you think about taking something that is hugely complicated and, and can be hugely technical like cybersecurity and bridging that gap with the business and frankly, like communicating in another language sometimes? So it, it kind of goes back to what, what are the problems that the business is trying to solve for, right? So again, if you, if you kind of look at the, the non-regulated entities for a second, so leave aside the hospitals and, and you know, the banks and stuff like that, right? Um, a business basically exists to make money, right? Um, so if you, if you think of, of a business as a person, right? Um, there's a risk to everything we do. You know, me kind of getting out of bed in the morning to kind of coming and talking to you, there's a risk that, hey, you know, I can slip and fall, right? So, so, so which are the risks that the business needs to kind of be aware of and, you know, be, be deliberative and, you know, pause and solve for compared to what are the risks that's going to be, you know, a, a kind of, you know, uh, almost like a cost of doing business, right? Vis-a-vis, sure. uh, -vis, we as security practitioners have access to a lot of insights or data where we can actually help the business kind of grow top line revenue. Uh, here's what I mean by that, right? So if you kind of think back to like 15, 20 years ago when you know people had like on-prem servers and we had all these kind of log files, uh, the web server log files that used to show where people are coming in from, you know, uh, which pages they are visiting, all of that stuff, right? And we as security practitioners used to see that, hey, you know, is somebody trying to, you know, hack into us? Are they running, you know, JavaScripts and stuff like that, right? But if you kind of flip the mechanism around, that, hey, you know, business, we have access to all these log files, as an example, which show us which parts of the world people are visiting us from, which pages are they landing on, and how much time they're spending, you know, interacting with those pages. Marketing department, is this of value to you? And suddenly it becomes a very, you know, proactive, you know, business enabled conversation that, hey, yeah, you know, thank you for helping me with this security. You know, this is something we hadn't thought about, right? Same thing, okay, you know, um, um, you, you, you know, as a, as a business, you need to get all these, you know, security certifications or licenses to work, you know, globally or whatever it is, right? Uh, as a business owner, 
help me be, you know, more agile around this stuff. You know, how can I be, you know, once and done where I can get all these certifications, you know, relatively friction free, which would allow my sales team to then go into all these different markets and say that, Hey, you know, we have all these certifications. We are in a good place, you know, help us, you know, get more business. Right. So those are some of the things that Delta's that I think we still don't think about as a profession. Sure. Yeah. That's so important to almost take a step back and think, like you said, what's the business trying to accomplish and within sort of the power that we have as a security team, how can we help make that a reality, right? How can we work with marketing? How can we work with sales to really understand who they are and what they're trying to accomplish and think what obstacles can you remove from their way? So I think that's, that's yeah. a really powerful point. And I'll, I'll give another example. This was, this was so kind of like silly in my mind, right? So uh, I was consulting and I was in, in China for a project back then. And I had to kind of remotely lead this kind of, you know, pre-sales call for this, you know, uh, heavy equipment manufacturing company in the U.S., right? So I can't see these guys. There was no Zoom or anything, right? I'm sitting in this hotel room in China, uh, middle of the night, my time. And um, I kind of go to the first slide or the second slide. And uh, the CEO basically says, Vic, I think we got it. Thank you so much, right? And uh, we don't need to hear anymore. And I'm like, okay, oh my God, what did I do here, right? What did I mess up, right? So anyways, I, I come back to the US and I find out that not only did we win the contract, they actually added on a lot more services. And nice. so I went to the project sponsor. I'm like, guys, you know, thank you, but why, right? And he's like, Vic, you know, you're competing against, you know, a lot of the other, you know, global, you know, uh, you know big, big firms in here. And the only reason you got this contract is because you had this slide which showed that if you know uh, a security incident or a data breach happens and you're down for you know x minute of time on your on your on your assembly line uh, you know here are the number of you know uh, bulldozers or whatever that you won't be able to manufacture so for them to be able to see the real world impact of a security incident on a business outage nobody had kind of done that for them before and in my mind, this was something, you know, very silly, like, you know, three and a half, you know, bulldozers on a, on a spread, on a, on a slide somewhere. Right. But this whole, you know, understanding what we know and aligning it to the business context, I think is still missing for us. Yeah. I love that story. It's just like you said, the business context of some sort of level of insight that they just didn't have before. That's frankly so important. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your uh, experience at Facebook. So um, for maybe folks in the audience who aren't familiar with, uh, with Novi, can you talk a little bit about that business opportunity and project and um, sort of your role within the organization? Sure. And again, you know, Senate caveat applies. I'm speaking in a personal capacity, you know. 100%. Uh, yeah. Lawyers, you know, please don't come and shoot me. Stuff, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, so, so the, the premise of Novi is very interesting, right? Uh, and I'll kind of lay out the premise and then the mechanics, right? Yeah. So, uh, Novi is, think, of, think of, of it as, you know, digitizing money, right? Not, not digital money, but digitizing money. So if you look at, you know, physical money that goes to the banking and other systems, right, or the paper money, right, uh, and you take, you know, use cases like people who don't have bank accounts, for as an example, right, or people, you know, uh, who live, you know, uh, who kind of, you know, do, do third, you know, three jobs in, you know, uh, other countries and, you know, they have to kind of send the remittances, you know, back home, right. Uh, 
there's, there's, a, there's a lot of time and money and complexity and fees involved in, you know, sending money, you know, uh, you know uh, efficiently and effectively, right? So Novi's premise is basically, you know, banking for the unbanked. It's, it's kind of one way to think of it. Um, the, the, the way they're doing this is they're, they're, they're kind of building up uh, through the Libra Association, they're kind of building up, uh, you know, this, this blockchain-based method Right again, not Bitcoin, but this kind of blockchain-based method, which allows you know formal you know verification, you know, making sure that anti-money laundering, you know, know your customer, you know, fraud and all of that stuff is in place, to more effectively you know efficiently move money across borders. Right. Um, the challenges are that you know how do you attempt something that has never been attempted at the scale before. Right. So like Alipay is doing something similar in China. Right, they have this digital yuan. Other countries are doing this stuff too, right? But there are a lot of pieces that kind of go into this, right? Uh, for me personally, uh, the two things I'm kind of helping solve for are, you know, how do you kind of operate as a as an agile kind of startup within Facebook, yet make sure that from a governance risk compliance perspective, you have, you know, you are able to, you know conclusively kind of satisfy the regulators sure. around some of this stuff, right? And at the same time, you know, Facebook's model is a bit different. Facebook is a social media company. This is a regulated financial institution that's living, you know, within Facebook, right? How do you kind of, you know, fit this, this kind of tight requirements on top of a social media company, right? Sure. So, so that's some of the challenges I'm trying to solve for. Got it. So how long have you been with the company? So I've been a contractor, you know, for Facebook uh, for the past like two and a half, three years. Uh, I just converted to a full-time employee, I think January this year. Cool. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, of course, in, in sort of the picture you painted and Facebook being, a, you know, a massive social media technology company and sort of having this fi fintech startup within it, right? There's some steps that have to be taken just from a regulatory standpoint. So can you tell us a little bit about that in terms of what have been some of the sort of primary things you've tried to focus on um, just as sort of foundational pieces of securing this new sort of business opportunity for the business? Sure. So like one of the commitments uh, we made earlier on is that, you know, uh, the Novi customer data, is the Novi customer data, right? We, we have a public commitment that we won't be sharing this back with, with Facebook, right? Um, outside of, you know, fraud prevention and stuff like that, right? Uh, but, you know, it won't be used for like ad targeting and any of that stuff, right? And you can go and search on, Novi used to be called, you know, Calibra. Uh, so you can search on like Calibra customer commitment. It's out there on the internet, right? Uh, so there are like very kind of strict principles around, you know, data separation, data privacy, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there are kind of aspects of Facebook that it does really well uh, that you want to kind of leverage. So for example, uh, if you look at uh, Facebook's, you know, algorithms or, you know, uh, the machine learning algorithms, right? They can be used very effectively for, you know, uh, anti-money laundering or know your customer, you know, or is a is terrorist trying to sign up for an account and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So you want to leverage the efficiencies of Facebook, but you don't want to, you know, share the customer data, you know, back with Facebook, right? So you want to be respectful of the commitments that you made, right? Yeah. So, so those are some of the challenges. So, so you know, um, 
how are you going to solve for those? And again, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, in my personal capacity only, right? Sure. You put encryption in place, you put data separation in place, all of that stuff, right? But making sure that you are leveraging the, the efficiencies of Facebook, yet being respectful from a privacy perspective, being respectful from a customer commitment perspective, being mindful of all the regulatory and other commitments is something that is, you know, top of mind for me. Sure. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, it sounds like a, um, you know, of course it is a, a tremendous business opportunity. So I, I appreciate you sharing, um, you know, a bit of sort of how you've helped and sort of the security implications of it as well. So that's, um, that's cool to hear. Sure. So um, for the next portion, and given we just have sort of a limited amount of time left, we're going to step into uh, the rapid fire round. So it's how we wrap up each interview here. Basically, the premise is I ask you three quick questions and you share whatever comes to mind. Sound good? Cool. Go for it. Awesome. So first question is, what book are you reading right now? Um, this is a book I kind of keep coming back again and again. It's a book by Ram Charan, who is a management consultant. Uh, it's called What the CEO Wants You to Know. Cool. Uh, and it really kind of gives you the business perspective of how leadership, you know, looks at things. What do they deem to be true problems and how do, how do they want problems solved? Love it. So next question in your uh, current role, what's the biggest challenge that you face? Um, being agile. Yeah. Uh, yet being mindful that we are a regulated institution. And we have expectations, both from a customer perspective, as well as a regulatory perspective that we need to manage. Again, you know, uh, the, the burden kind of weighs very heavily on all of us inside Facebook because we have families and friends who use Facebook and stuff as well, right? Yeah. We understand the privacy and other challenges. We want to do the right thing. But again, it's happening at a scale that nobody in the world has kind of solved for before, right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky balance, I'm sure. Well, the balance yeah. isn't tricky. I mean, so, so we, you know, we, we, we know what's absolutely right and wrong, right? We, yeah. we, we get that part, right? But at the same time, you know, kind of managing this in, a, in an efficient manner where you can set up something that can, you know, serve like, you know, three or four billion people in the world, right? Like I said, this whole, you know, this banking for the unbanked, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a valid use case, right? But how do you build something that, you know, works very well for the global population as an example, right? Is this yeah. is kind of still, you know, TBD, right? So. Sure. Absolutely. So last question, if you could change one thing about the security industry, what would it be? I would actually, <laughs> I would actually make people read like these annual reports. Uh, these are like very dry documents, right? But yeah. uh, everybody kind of uses them to analyze the business, to understand, you know, directionally where the business is going. Right. Uh, so one of the things I kind of love doing personally is I, I, I mentor people on Facebook. But if you want to get a good sense of what the moving pieces are in a business, how does the business kind of understand risk? Yeah. Right. Uh, that's a good kind of place to start. So I would definitely, you know, encourage people. If I, this is one thing I could change would be, you know, get more aligned to the business. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Even those 15, first 15, 20 pages, right? Like you said, the risk factors, you can learn basically everything you would want to know about a business just from that. It's, it's, it's a very dry document. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll give you that, but it teaches you a lot. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, Vic, I really appreciate uh, the time today. It was, uh, it was nice to meet you. So thanks for joining. Nice meeting you. Thank you. Bye.